Welcome to Just to Know You, the podcast that interviews regular people at SAES and finds out they are far from regular. That's right. I'm your host, Darian Batten. And I'm Angela Kerskadden. Let's get started. Thank you. Thank you for joining us here on the Just to Know You podcast. We have with us some special guests, and we are interviewing in a special way. We have two, not one, but two to welcome today. Uh, they have been overseas since 2011 from Orangeville and Scarborough, Canada. They've been to four different schools since they've been here in Saudi Arabia. We have with us the Rons, <laughs> Mike and Nikki. Ron. Now, is it Michael, Michael? Yeah, my grandma called me Michael. Everyone else calls me Mike, so yeah, <laughs> go with Mike. We have Mike and Nikki Ron. <sighs> Thanks for having us. Oh, no. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Oh, ooh, that's ooh. Thank you for that plug. We appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, I heard, I had the pleasure of hearing about you here in Udalia Camp um, as you came. I think you came for one year and just made uh, such a difference in the lives of people could you tell me a little bit about your journey, not just in Saudi Aramco, but your journey from Scarborough and Orangeville? And I, am I saying that right? Scarborough? Scarborough, yeah. Scarborough, the the, the, the birthplace of Drake mm-hmm. um, and Orangeville. And how did you get here to Saudi Arabia? You want to take it, Mike, or me? Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's. Uh, well, it was a long and winding road, of course. Teaching is a second career for me. So I think, so I probably, probably start at that point. Um, Nikki and I met in university, Brock university, go Badgers. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, and we met, uh, and we started dating sort of at the, at the end of my senior year and Nick was halfway through Nikki always knew she wanted to be a teacher. Um, but, uh, for me, and I was just, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was just figuring stuff out and did some, did some landscaping and, you know, did some sitting in my dad's basement after, after graduation, but I've finally made, made my way to journalism school and I worked in newspaper for a decade before mm-hmm. I decided it was time for a change. And then I went to teacher's college and graduated. There was just no jobs in Southern Ontario at that point. And so Nikki had, Nikki had a colleague that had spent uh, six or eight years in China and Ab- Abu Dhabi and sort of suggested that this overseas teaching could be an option for us. I don't think, I really didn't know anything about it at that point. I don't. Yes. She suggested going to a job fair. So in my mind, we were going to Europe. It was going to be a beautiful (laughs) thing. We had just our third baby. Macy was not quite one when we went to the job fair and we went to the Europe for Europe jobs. You go upstairs. And so we went upstairs with our folder so proud. We had a beautiful picture of our family and we go upstairs. I had, and, n- I had no teaching experience at this point. Yeah. We go upstairs and they look at our family and they say, nope, go back downstairs. <laughs> 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 so we were told like, when you go through this job fair, don't take the first job, like hold out. So we did, we were offered a job Kazakhstan? Kazakhstan right away. Like, just, like, do you want the job? Like, we were like, what? <laughs> Don't even know where Kazakhstan is. And then e- Egypt, we got offered a job. In Cairo, that was during the Arab Spring, right right around 
just after that, probably. Yeah. And then we got a job in Abu Dhabi, which we were interested in, but um, the housing fell through. Like, you know how job fairs go, like they're interviewing at the different locations. And so the house for a family of five got taken. So we got jobs in Saudi Arabia at IPS school and Kazakhstan. That was the two that we had to decide on. And we thought about it, talked to some people, and decided Saudi. But then <laughs> I started doing some research. <laughs> so we went home, told our family we're going overseas. Um, no one was thrilled. <laughs> Grandparents were horrified. What do you mean you're going overseas, you know? Maybe Mike can just do something else. He doesn't need to be a teacher. That's It was all blamed on Mike. So then I... It was at the time, what did I research? In 2004, yeah. there was that mass killing here. Right. And so I called up the school while Mike was working still in journalism. And I said, we're, we're not coming. Sorry, we're not coming. Right. And then Mike came home from work and I just said, I just called him and quit. <laughs> he said, what do you mean you quit? And I was like, well, I'm not taking my babies there. It's not safe. And um, after a couple of discussions... They might have been heated. <laughs> and then a friend of mine said, why don't you go? Go till Christmas. If you hate it, just don't go back. Right. So we did. And honestly, it was the best decision of our lives. Best decisions. Really? It was the best time. Really? Yeah. We got paid very little. <laughs> very, very little. <laughs> yeah. Got to start somewhere. Yeah. yeah. But you said moving your whole family halfway across the world, you stated that it seems like it was the best time. What made it the best time? I think the chance to travel was uh, was really important for us. Um, it was uh, it was pretty cool coming coming from small town. We were living small town Ontario at the time, and just uh, just the diversity of the people that you work with, um, students, and just you know being in you know we I was I was thirty nine. We came over here. I'd had my whole my whole life in in Canada in Ontario, and it was just really cool to just experience a new culture to see to you know to be be in a new different country, and it, we thought we thought it would be two years, two years probably, and then we would probably go back to Canada, and we did go back for a year after our contract had finished at our first school, and uh, we weren't we weren't back very long before we decided now we got to go to another job fair and try to get back overseas. And it was at that point that we ended up at uh, international schools group, ISG at, at uh, Dems at the American school there. And uh, which is now ASD. And we spent five years there. And from at that point, that, that was, that's when our Aramco journey started at, after that. <laughs> <laughs> that is, it's interesting because, it sounded like you, you dreaded leaving um, to a certain extent, but then you go home to what you believe is your home and you struggle, maybe not struggle to adjust, but it's just not the same. A friend of ours that we worked with at IPS said, you know, be careful when you go home, you're going to have culture shock. And I was like, culture shock? Like, what are you <laughs> talking about? I'm Canadian, you know, born and raised. I've only spent right. two years overseas. Like, culture shock? What are you talking Like, I was horrified <laughs> that he even suggested it. Oh, it hit us hard. Like really? a month in, we were like, oh, Canada, it's so expensive. We forgot about, like you had to pay for everything. I don't know. It's just like the family feeling here. Like they love kids in Saudi and yeah. our kids were little and, you know, it was a great place for them to grow up. And right. so, yeah, we had culture shock going back home, which was. Really? 
Yeah. Still no job for me at that point in Canada. So, you know, yeah. it's like family of five, one income. That's not fun. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so yeah, so we went, uh, went to a job fair again in, uh, in Cambridge, uh, outside of Boston or next to Boston. And, uh, that's when, uh, we, and we didn't think we'd be coming back to Saudi Arabia, but that's just how it ended up. Mm-hmm. Really? And so you're, you went to, you said Dems? Yes. Dems, which is now ASG. And then after Dems, you went and uh, joined the Aramco family. Yes. Oh, also your, your uh, process to get to uh, Aramco was uh, quite intricate. We actually went up, when we were at IPS, our first school, we were in the same house that the Quartzmans were in at IPS. Oh. And so we met them through a group of friends and Quartzman said, let me show you where we're living now. And, and like, he was, you know how he's so beautiful. So he picked yeah. us up, didn't really know us, picked <laughs> us very, up. Very handsome man. Very, very <laughs> hands, <laughs> handsome man. <laughs> so he picked us up and drove us to Utilia and showed us around and introduced us. Josh was the AP at the time. And who was oh, the principal? Um, Ian. Ian. Ian Russell. Yep. Yep. And um, so, you know, we kind of interviewed then. Not really informally. They just said Mike didn't have enough teaching experience, but they could tell like we were we would fit in well with the Udalia family. And then we uh, so we actually been introduced to Udalia back year one in universe in um, oh. our Saudi adventure. So oh, such yeah. a small world. Yeah, such a small world. Now you say you have um, you started a family before you came. Uh, you have three children. Yes. Rachel, are they with you now or have you uh, sent them? Yeah, Katie is uh, just finishing up her first year of university at at, uh, University of Western Ontario. It's just called Western University now. And uh, Harrison is in grade 11 at ASD. Mason's in grade 7 at uh, at the middle school here. How has it been to have... um children in three different i'm asking this personally <laughs> as, I, as i have children that are nine seven and five and i'm trying to get you know add to my scheme of what it's going to be like how has it been to have children across it seems like three different schools yeah, maybe a couple of different areas at the same time it's been a, it's definitely been an adjustment not having katie around i mean what what was so cool about the beginning of being overseas was you know at at, I, at uh, ips just walking to the school together and then you know, at ISG, just, you know, driving to school together and leaving together and just had seemed to have lots and lots of family time. And, uh, yeah, so it was hard when, uh, you know, when, uh, she left for university and, and, uh, as far as, uh, but, you know, it's also, it's also her time, you know, she was, uh, she was ready to go and, uh, she more or less enjoyed her time in Saudi Arabia. I think, I think when she looks back, when she's a little bit older, she'll appreciate it. Hopefully, a little bit more than she does now. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely tough not having her, not having her, seeing her day to day. I mean, uh, you know, Nikki's great with you know phone calls and and uh, zooms and all that stuff. But uh, and then with the boys, I mean, they kind of catch the bus around the same time and are, and are back about the same time. So they're at different schools, but their their schedule is pretty similar to ours. So so yeah, that's uh, that's not such a big adjustment. Okay, it sounds like it's it's still, even though it can be looked at as a place that's great for small kids. It sounds like your your children have adjusted well to, as they've grown up in the various stages of their life. That it's still been a place that can accommodate them. You found that to be true. 
I have. It's. Uh, I think it can, especially if my boys have been have been involved in in a lot of different sports. Uh, the the Daron uh, Hockey League, the Sad Falcons. They were involved in that for six years until until that stopped around COVID time. And you know now it's basketball, volleyball, and and uh, just just keeping busy with that sort of thing. My daughter was always Katie was always uh, always a drama girl, so she was always doing school plays and and different things. So yeah, I mean, I think. I think probably like any place, like the, the more involved you are, the better experience it's going to be, the more people you're going to meet, you know, the, uh, the better, the better time you have, you know, you can sit on your couch and watch Netflix all day, but, uh, you know, it's not, uh, it's not going to be a, a great experience. I don't think. Right. Yeah. Speaking of that, how do you all find yourselves involved across, uh, the camp? Uh, what do you do to keep your, you know, juices flowing outside of school? Actually, in Udalia, like you, as you know, it's a small community. Everybody kind of comes together. There's always stuff going on. And when at our other schools, we were on a small compound as well. So it was easy like to be involved. There was always something happening and everybody knew about it and everybody was included. So when we came here, it was a different ball game. I struggled a bit the, at the beginning um, just to find my place. I, I need to be involved. And we came here during covid and so it's, everybody seemed to kind of be in their own place, and it was hard at first. And then Beth, uh, an SST teacher here who's now in Bangkok, she kept on talking about this uh, soccer league for women, and they have great happy hours. <laughs> <laughs> so I've never played soccer before, <laughs> but I told her I wanted to join, and she was like, yeah, just come on out. We'll see, you know, we'll see. And they made me kind of, um, it's not the way now. You want to join, you're on the team now. But for me, it was like six months I was on this wait list that they would call me if they needed me. And I was just show up. And I didn't even really know how to kick a ball. I played hockey and I played field hockey. So I knew the positioning, but I had never kicked a ball before. Like never. Yeah, I, honestly, it was so good to join the rose desert roses are awesome everybody join the roses it's honestly it saved me it's it's such a welcoming group it's so fun and we're we're good now like we were good yeah and does we include you where i lack in footwork I make up for an aggression i'm a defensive player all right and i'm i'm a little bit of the goon Okay. Um, but I, I'm I'm proudly I'll wear that. I'll you know, you know, we play people half our my age and I take them out and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki Ron leaves you crying on the lawn. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tagline. But right. I've improved. I have that's improved. Awesome. I can kick the All ball right. now. All right, yeah. yeah. And I think it's important for people to understand that it's all about the connection. So the reason why you're connecting matters less than the fact that you're actually out mm -hmm. there kind of yeah. putting yourself out there trying to make those connections. So it, it made it so much easier. I don't, we just met, you know, there's not only teachers that play on the team, but just moms in the community. And oh. it's just, honestly, it, it feels good. It's fun. It's twice a week. It's exercise and a lot of laughs and great happy hours. And so when do you all practice? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mondays and Thursdays. 
All right. So Mondays and Thursdays, Desert Roses, it'll be the happiest hour you spend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're legit now. We have coaches. I think we have a sponsor now. Like really? T uniform. Oh yeah, we've we've improved from what we were to what we are now. Like we haven't lost in 2023 yet. Really? Mm-hmm. And how many games do you all play a year or in the in the span of time? Yeah, we played already five or six games this year. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And it's in, in Kingdom? Always in Kingdom, yeah. Oh, sometimes we go to Bahrain. Oh, and we play against a, each other. And you get the <laughs> you get the travel. That's that sounds awesome. Desert Roses. <laughs> International <laughs> Soccer Club. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. What about you, uh, Mike? How uh, do you adjust and how have you connected uh, outside of work? Okay, so <laughs> I I have I've been a distance runner for a long time. I uh, ran my first marathon in 1998, so that's that's 20, 25 years ago. Um, had some injuries lately, but uh, you know, I had a had a short window where I was actually getting some really good results. But those those days are far behind me now. But I still I still try to get out. But I don't run with a group. I do like to run alone. I'll, I'll go out with my boys sometimes. So I'm not really I'm not connecting with anyone there. But it is it is something to uh, you know that uh, that keeps me happy and keeps me uh, 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 keeps me somewhat somewhat fit, I guess. And, uh, and, uh, I, I just find it's a, it's a relaxing, I'd like to start my day with a, with a, with a run. And, uh, as far as, yeah, I've, I've, I've do a podcast with, uh, with, uh, another former, uh, former Udalia, uh, teacher, John McGinnis. So we have the Mac and Mike show podcast. Uh, we've had 26 episodes so far. Talk about, uh, we talk about music and shows we've been to and, uh, and yeah, just uh, just generally have a good time. And a friend of mine from uh, ASD produces, and yeah, we just uh, get together every couple weeks and uh, have a fun time and do a podcast. And uh, yeah, so check it out. Awesome, Mac and Mike podcast. And where can it be found? Spotify and Apple and wherever you find your what's the what did I say? Wherever you find your podcast, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. If uh, my producer doesn't send me the link, I don't know how to get to it, honestly. So. <laughs> so wherever you find your podcast and um, listening delights, you can find uh, Mac and Mike. All right, and uh, you're discussing music and uh, preferences and various groups and diversity amongst music. Uh, I remember having a conversation with you, and I mean, just in-depth discussions about genres and about ages. Um, it was an awesome uh, discussion for me. So, Mac and Mike, uh, shameless plug. Shameless uh, plug. <laughs> yeah, probably uh, sports and music are probably my two uh, big passions. Uh, yeah, that I uh, try to uh, try to keep up with as much as I can. So, yeah. And speaking of that, you were a sports writer, correct? That's right. Yep. And how was it being a sports writer um, in Canada before going to? Uh, teaching. How was the sports writing life? College basketball coaching legend Bobby Knight said most people learn to write in the second grade and then move on to bigger things. But uh, I did have a I did have a really good time. I had a really good time doing. It. I did it for ten years. Um, 
And, uh, you know, like my friends would say, well, I'd so you go to games and then like write about like, what kind of, because it's not a job, it's kind of an easy life as this. And, and, you know, people hear the sports and they don't really think about the writing part, but, uh, but yeah, I did, uh, I did, you know, really enjoy, I've always loved sports and, and the writing part, you know, as the, the more you do it, kind of the sports is just, is just kind of the, the filler that you, you go, you go and watch to, and, but then it's the writing part that's, that's really, that really becomes the passion. So I enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed really all of it for the, for the 10 years. Uh, I was, uh, I was a movie critic as well for about three years at one of my paper newspapers. So that was a lot of fun. And yeah, I still have, still have a few friends from that are still in the, the newspaper business, although it's certainly in Ontario, it's, uh, it's really slowing down, but, uh, but yeah, no, it was uh, it was good. I went to I went to journalism school for a couple of years in the I guess the late '90s, and then uh, and then yeah, I worked uh, I worked for pretty much ten years ten years straight, and uh, kind of only when my daughter was born, and I remember like dropping her off her first day at uh, at junior kindergarten, and uh, and thinking like you know because I. I cover sports, so I'm working evenings, I'm working weekends. I'm thinking like, gosh, you know, it's just going to, you know, I'm not going to be able to see her, you know, it's, you know, and so I, uh, that's when I, that's when I switched over to, uh, I went to, went to teacher's college at that point, but, uh, but yeah, no, I'm, uh, really glad I had that opportunity to, to do that. And, uh, journalism is really about the relationships that, that you make that you can, that you can just call someone up and, you know, get some good information from them, get a good quote from, um, build up the trust with them that uh, they feel like they can tell you something and you're going to, you're going to do right by them. And it's also neat that uh, your work's on display for anyone that, that wants to see it. You know, if we have a bad day teaching, well, who knows about it? Me, you know, we know probably the students, although yeah, hopefully not, but uh, yeah, you have a bad day. You have a bad day in newspaper. Like, yeah, everyone knows. I kind of, I kind of miss that. And I miss the, I miss the, the thrill of the, the tight deadline. Sometimes just in the newsroom when important things are going on, uh, yeah, it's just it was just a fun a fun environment. Darian, um, Mike is being very modest. He was I see. not not only was he a journalist, he was an award winning journalist. Ooh. And two Christmases ago, we we always make our kids get a book for Christmas. Like you get get something you want, something you'll read, something I can't even remember what we make them get, but books won. And so Chippy. Our middle child doesn't have the passion of reading like Mike and Katie do. Um, we opened up this book, and we got him a Maple Leafs book, and we thought, oh, he's going to love it. Toronto and Maple Leafs. Toronto Maple Leafs there. book. And he goes, well, I'm going to shelf that. And he shelved it. <laughs> and then Mike picked it up, and he was reading it. And was he not mentioned in it, quoted in it, three times? Really? Three times. So <laughs> award-winning and in a Toronto Maple Leafs book. He yeah. is being a bit, bit modest. He was really good at his well, job. But, I mean, family came first, and he was never going to see the kids. Why, why are you being like that, Ron? Why can't you just be? Why can't you, why can't you pat yourself on the back? Well, it's not, it's, it's not really a Canadian thing. We don't, uh, we don't you know, we're not very bright. That's more of an American thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just, just alienated three quarters of our <laughs> listeners right now. <laughs> Yeah, but you went to an interview in Boston. Hey, once you got to <laughs> once you got to Boston, Mike, it's time to gloat. It's time. Once you cross those borders, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> um, it's so funny when at our first job interview. So I had taught at that point 
14, 15 years. They didn't want to talk to me at all. He kept on turning to Mike and going, tell me about journalism. Tell me about <laughs> writing. You know, like, tell me about this. And I was like, oh, look at me, look at me. And they, they did not care. He only cared about Mike's journalism when we first got went overseas. But yeah, I, I think it's, I think it is rare that you meet someone that has a realistic end to writing. Um, because when you think about it, you know, unless you meet, uh, I think the end result we think about is just author, 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 author. And we don't necessarily think about the many venues, the individuals who have uh, the ability to capture um, images with words. We don't think about how many different careers and paths uh, they could have. I was reading a straight shooter. Um, it's a book by uh, Stephen A. Smith. He's an on-air sports yep. uh, personality. And it seems like that's like the new path is that you become a journalist and now you can go and, you know, you have your podcast and then yeah. you have your, uh, you may get a, a look on TV. And it seems like the, the sports journalist continues to have um, pathways and ways because people want to hear about individuals in sports. People want to hear about uh, these celebrities and um, how they're performing and the in-depth analysis of what they're doing. I, I think it's man. You're the first. You're the first <laughs> sports writer I've ever met. Are you? Is there any way um, that you will return? Hmm. <laughs> well, I've thought about it. I've, I have thought about it, but uh, uh, yeah, and you're and you're right. I mean, I think with the you know with the internet and with you know blogging and just you know really anyone can do it now. I mean, that's the and that's sort of sort of good and bad with that, right? And right. I mean, you know, for for someone like Stephen A, not a fan of his, by the way. <laughs> he's an acquired taste. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's a know, showman he, now. He's a sure. showman. He's, he's a yeah. celebrity in his own right, you know, as are, you know, Mike Lupica or Dan Shaughnessy or Will Bond and Kornheiser from Pardon the Interruption. And they're celebrities in their own right. And some, I think sometimes that can get in the way of then they become the story. They have to do something controversial to get their 15 seconds on ESPN.com. But uh, I really, I really liked what I really liked about journalism. And, you know, when you're doing column writing, yeah, it's maybe a little bit more about you and you got your, you got your picture in the, uh, you know, uh, on the paper. But when it's just a byline and you can just, you can just tell a story and it's really, it's not about you at all. It's about, it's about the the event, it's about the people, it's about the profile, the people that you're you're wanting to share with the audience. So I did enjoy that part of it. Never say never, but I would think at this point, probably not. Would it be maybe something post teaching that I would dabble in? Maybe I have to sort of see what uh, see what the landscape is at that point and with where where I could fin- fit into it. You know, if it would be just something that I would do for, for my own personal enjoyment. You know, I'm not sure it could be, could end up being a pain gig for me at this point, but uh, you never know. Huh. It sounds like you're a writing purist. Like you, you like it for what it was designed to be and to just, just capture the moments and um, for individuals to enjoy uh, the words on the page rather than those theatrics. Cause you know, there were some underlying feelings when you started to mention uh, Stephen A. Smith. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's annoying, isn't he? <laughs> uh, 
Skip Bayless is worse, but uh, yeah, they're, they're a pair. <laughs> yeah, and I think that that's sometimes that's what's lost um, when you do become an on-air personality. You know, they tend to skew much less towards actual journalism and more towards just whatever the hot story is. Yeah. We'll continue to talk about whatever listeners want, not necessarily what I feel you know people should hear. So it's it's really really <laughs> neat, man. I, I think it's. I don't know if I if I had that possibility. I don't know. My, my family might have just had to suffer. So I just <laughs> <laughs> so that's man. That's that's awesome of you, man. Just to make that you know Thank you. sacrifice. All right. Uh, we Another talked selfless a, act. Oh my goodness! In a lifetime of them. See, yeah. One, Darian. <laughs> let's count. One. See what you got to do is you got to write them down, Ron. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, he did. One. <laughs> And you got to frame them so that it is ev- so that everyone who enters understands why everything can be like it is. <laughs> so, also, um, it seems like you all have had a uh, a great time, and that you are um, adjusting well. What has been one of the most uh, difficult? You talked about a slight struggle of trying to adjust uh, once you got to um, Daharan. What has been a difficult part? Uh, adjusting to Saudi Arabia in general? You know, I was, I think it was all like my, like I'm really bad at thinking the worst. So it was before, everything happened before. Like I was, I had all the scenarios working out that, you know, what life was going to look like here. And it's so different. Like it's, it's very Western here. It's very easy to live here. It's great for kids. Um, the teaching's great. It's, I don't know, there hasn't really been, would you say, Mike, like at the travel? Well, I think anyone that lives in Saudi Arabia, there's a frustration sometimes with trying to, trying to get things done, you Mm -hmm. know. Inshallah. Inshallah. (laughs) Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. So there's definitely some frustrations there, but of course there's frustrations in Canada as well. And, and, uh, it's not, uh, you know, it's not, uh, that one's so much better than the other. I just think for me personally, I, I just think I've made some great friends overseas, colleagues that I've mm-hmm. worked with, and even a couple people that I've met uh, that, that aren't teachers. And, uh, you know, it's just, just the way of the international community that uh, often those people move on. And uh, it is sort of hard, hard to say goodbye. And, and uh, I'm not great at keeping in touch with people when they're not, uh, when they're not in, in my day-to-day life. So I think that's, that's been hard. Um, I think at, at times, especially with my daughter, when she was, you know, grade 11, grade 12, there was some, you know, I don't want to be here. This is boring here. So there, there's a little bit of that and, and think, always thinking, gosh, are, are we doing right by our kids? Is this, you know, is this the best upbringing that, that they could have? You know, there's pros and cons with, with all of it. Or, missing you know, out on family. Missing out on family yeah. as, as we are. That's, you know, a sacrifice that we all make to, to be here. And, uh, you know, uh, I'll just be interesting to see as they, as they get old, just become adults and they have jobs of their own. Is this, will they hunker down in, in one spot and, and because they were so far away from family through their childhood, or will they have that urge to, to continue to travel and, uh, and explore new places? You know, they've, they've had their childhood compared to mine. Couldn't be, couldn't be more different. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I guess there's good and bad with both of it. So I'm curious to see uh, as adults what sort of decisions they'll make. 
how do you how do you ensure that your family re remains connected and intact with traditions and values and morals and scruples um, while you are overseas? What do you implement in your maybe your normal everyday uh, gatherings or in your holiday gatherings to ensure that the your family stays connected and that the ties that bind us um, stay um, true. Mike has a lot of characteristics <laughs> that people describe him as. But uh, I think one uh, that's shocking is that he loves his traditions. He is a big tradition guy. Christmas, we have many, many traditions that, you know, the reading of Twas the Night Before Christmas. <laughs> like the kids are now, what are they, 18, 16, 13. 13, they had to sit on the couch and listen to Mike read it. Like just the, you know, if you don't believe Santa doesn't come, the kids are still saying that. We do, we do light walk, we go look at lights, um, Christmas Eve, and there's very few lights here, but <laughs> we still go out, we Stars. still go out and go look at the lights. What other ones do we have? Um, Thanksgiving, the full meal. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly, it's certainly different, uh, but you know, I think because they're, the extended family is not is not part of this. I mean, I guess we've been home for 11 years overseas. We've been home for three Christmases. So usually we're sort of on our own. So I think, yeah, it's sort of, uh, you, there's no other, there's no, I don't know, if, I don't say extended family is a distraction, but there's, it's just us. It's just us for, for birthdays, for Christmas, for Thanksgiving, for all these, these holidays. And yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, I like to think that uh, that we're a lot closer because of it. And then when we do get home in the summer, you know, definitely try to make as much time for cousins and grandma and grandpa and 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 all all that. So it's not it's not the same. It's not you know the same as being there for for all those big events. But uh, just try to keep that keep that connection going. We do have we've always had a home. So we've been overseas. We've always had a home base. We have a condo in Collingwood, a little ski town, a couple hours north of Toronto. So I think they do, I don't know, third culture kids, but I think they do have a sense of that, you know, there is a, there is a place for us, you know, in Canada, this is, this is home, you know, Saudi Arabia is home, but there's also, we also have a home in Canada, but I mean, my, I feel like my daughter's had a fairly seamless transition to living full time in Canada, except she hates the Canadian winters. So, uh, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I think part of that is just uh, is yeah, maintaining these traditions, and uh, you know, the kids will they'll roll their eyes at some of these things. You know, Nikki likes to have her traditional Saturday evening dinner, and kids roll their eyes. But I think maybe deep <laughs> down they like it. You know, <laughs> well, we when when we first came to uh, Aramco, um, I came here later, so we had a little bit. It took us a little bit longer to adjust, and I came in November. And it was the very first time our family had been separated. Katie was in Bahrain at the boarding school. I was with the boys in Canada. Mike was here. And so it was hard. That was re that was the hardest part of being overseas, was being apart. And um, so at Christmas, we, we, we weren't we weren't all together. Like we were together, but we just hadn't had our finances all together and we had to make some changes. So I said to the kids, okay, Christmas is going to look a little different this year. And I saw online where there was like the snowman, right? And you have like, they get three gifts. They get like a want, a need, and like something small on top. And oh my goodness, it was like, I was asking the kids to, they were not happy. 
with the snowman. Like <laughs> they were not happy with the snowman idea. Uh, they, we even got them a dog that year and Mike didn't want a dog. We got them a dog, <laughs> <laughs> but they were just changing that tradition and changing it up. Like, <laughs> Every year yeah. I've said, oh, Le we should do the less snowman. Gifts, they weren't happy. Yeah, less <laughs> gifts. They were just not happy. They weren't, they didn't want any part of it. If you mentioned the snowman, they, it's like PTSD for our kids. Like, <laughs> not the snowman. No, no snowman gifts. <laughs> what did you learn out of that, that tight Christmas? What did you, what do you still carry from it? If, if anything. Um, I learned, but we didn't, we don't continue doing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, did I learn anything? Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, you still make a list where you have, you know, the kids have to fill out, okay, what do I, you know, the three sort of main categories of something you want, something you need, something to wear sort of thing. And then of course, so they do that and then Nikki buys, but you know, 20 gifts each on top of that. So. <laughs> The, I, we, we started off early making the mistake with Christmas, buying them too much. And then it's hard to go back. Yeah. And then, you know, when you try to, I don't know. It's fun. I don't know. My mom told me when I was an adult, she said, oh, you know, like you, you would have had, we would have got you more if, you know, if we could have afforded it and whatever. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, you're also compensating for the love that they would have received at home. Yeah. Like when yeah. you are overseas, um, it's almost like you have to invest in your traditions um, so that everyone is vested so that it, they continue to remain. It, it has to be an awesome time. It has to be um, a great experience so that because everything here is not going to necessarily support it. You don't have the lights are not as big as they would be at home. Mm -hmm, um, <laughs> the dinners, they may be a little skewed because, you know, your ingredients are a little, a little slightly off. Yeah. So, you know. It's, uh, you know, your yams are different if you're using an Egyptian sweet potato rather than an American sweet potato or an Australian sweet potato or, you know what I mean? Like you can, your dishes and everything are slightly also, you definitely want to make it an experience. And, and what better way to make an experience than more gifts? I've never heard someone say. <laughs> Not enough gifts. Yeah. You should try the snowman next year. Like, hey, don't tempt me because I am the frugal one. <laughs> My wife and I, we had to agree. I I don't believe in celebrating anything, really. I believe like the, well, it's not that. I just, I'm frugal. So I, I believe, I don't know, like you, I, I don't know. I just don't want to spend money. But I think, <laughs> I the word, think the that. Word's, the word's cheap, Darian. Yeah. They, <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to let me dress it up. See, that's what that vocabulary, that's that sports writing vocabulary. It's a good word. It's a good word. Yeah, you know. Frugal. I'm, I'm, I'm preparing for the future. No, I just, I'm, I'm cheap, you know, but I, I'm thankful for Alicia who spends a lot of time uh, making sure our traditions are, you know, um, stable and, and respected and continue on. So yeah, that's, that's important. What would you want your children? If they could only take one thing, they have to forsake everything else. They can only take one thing from their entire experience of you taking them and moving them overseas. What would that one moral value, scruple, um, understanding, what would it be that you would want them to have for the rest of their lives? I think, I think keep that sense of adventure. Mm -hmm. Always keep that sense of wonder and excitement. And, you know, when we would, 
uh, you know, they've, they've been to close to 30 countries or right around there. And I mean, um, so yeah, I'd always have that, have that thirst to, to see what else is out there and to, uh, yeah, to always, to always be excited to try new things. What about you, Nikki? I think it's family. I think we're closer because we're here. I think if we were at home, they'd be out with, you know, like out with their different groups of friends and, they are here too, but it's still, we have a lot of family time here, way more than we would at home. And I just think that closeness, and I love their relationships. They're very close, the three of them. Really? Yeah, really, really close. And, How did uh, you develop that? Well, I don't know if we did. I, I think <laughs> Katie and Chippy's right now is um, like them against us. They have a lot of laughs against me. They they text each other. Oh, you wouldn't believe what mom did now or dad did. <laughs> and then the boys, I think it's just the sports and sports, video games, just picking on one another. But uh, yeah, just uh, yeah, they're close. Three and a half year age gap, but uh, yeah, they're they're very close. Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah, huh, I think it's so neat. Uh, it says, yeah, you said keep your sense of adventure. And we're closer because we're here. Yeah. Thank you all for joining us on the Just to Know You podcast, where hopefully we led you on an adventure, but yet and still, you feel closer because you were listening here <laughs> with <laughs> Ms. Nikki and Mr. Michael Ron. So thank you for joining us. Thanks for having and us on, Darian. Keep yes. up the great work with this podcast. Yeah, great yes, laugh, sir. Darian. Great podcast uh, laugh. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Just to Know You. We would like to thank our amazing tech man, Mr. Kent Arimura, Sterling McDonald for the podcast music, and the SAES community. See you next time. If you know anyone who you think has a great story to tell, we would love to hear about it. Please send an email to either Angela, Darian, or Kent.